that beautiful? Praise God. Okay, y'all can breathe now. If you would, take your Bibles with me. We're going to go to two places today, two places today. Thank you for being here. It's always a, a, a joy to see so many smiling faces and a few unsmiling faces. But anyway, I, I want to go to two places today. I want you to go to uh, 2 Chronicles 5, 2 Chronicles 5, and we're going to go there in just a moment, but I'm going to begin in Genesis 32, Genesis 32. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Where would we be without it, Lord? I ask, Lord God, today that knowing that there's someone, Lord God, whose joy and hope and rest and peace will be contingent upon, Lord God, whether they will receive your word today or not. I ask for the anointing, Lord, that crushes yokes, open eyes, causes, Lord, our blindness, Lord God, to see. Lord, I'm praying today for the touch of your hand, Master. Father, Savior, we love you, we thank you today, amen. Anybody ever struggled? Anybody ever wrestled? And, and as we get started today, I, just, I keep thinking about my, my little granddaughter, Violet, but she came and spent the night with us. You know those nights get, get real lengthy when you got those grandbabies there, but three and four-year-olds, but she's there, and my daughter-in-law, Julia, was in, the, was in the, the bathroom, and she was trying to get in, because she's always wanting to get in, see what's going on, so she's, she, she's there working the locks, and she's even figured out how to unlock the locks, but this particular one, she couldn't get open, so she's knocking on the door, and she's saying, and she's just three years old, she says, Julia, Julia, we don't lock doors in this house. But I want to say to you, in the Father's house, there's no locked door. In fact, he opened the door completely wide so that we could step into his presence. So keep that in mind as we, as we look at the word of God today. Genesis 32 and verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. And this translation, the New King James, at the beginning of this chapter, you'll see that that man was, was an angel, a angelic host, some believe, to be a theopony, a manifestation of Christ there. But we see here that Jacob wrestled with a man until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And we said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name. He said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place 
kenya kenya means face to face for i have seen god face to face and my life is preserved just as he crossed over kenya the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip therefore to this day the children of israel do not eat the muscle that shrank which is on the top which is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. He went in for a blessing and he came out with a limp. You're thinking, I knew I wasn't supposed to be. No, that's not what it says. Still might have just killed my altar call, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I want you to look at 2 Chronicles 5, and we, we prayed this passage yesterday, but the Lord just began to unfold and un unravel some things for me. Uh, 2 Chronicles 7, ver chapter 5, verses 7 through 14, and it's going to seem a strange marrying of two scriptures, but it'll make sense as we go. And this is the time of the, the dedication of the temple. And Solomon the son is bringing the most holy furnishing into the house of God, which is the Ark of the Covenant, which we won't take time to clarify, but if you've been here any length of time, you understand the Ark of the Covenant is a representation of Jesus Christ. But it says in verse 7, the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place, to the inner sanctuary of the temple into the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. Then the cherubim wings were spread out over the place of the ark so that the cherubim covered the ark and its poles. The poles were extended so that the ends of the poles of the ark were seen in front of the most holy place, but they were not seen outside. They are still there to this day. In the ark, there was nothing except the two tablets that Moses had given at Mount Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the sons of Israel when they went out from Egypt. When the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without keeping separate divisions. For all the Levitical priests, singers, Asaph, Heman, Jedathun, with the sons of the relatives, all clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, lairs, stood to the east of the altar with them 120 priests who were sounding with trumpets. It happened with the trumpet players and the singers had no sound, had one sound to praise and gave thanks to the Lord when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and all the instruments of the music praised the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. You came to the revelation God is good. You come to the revelation God is good. That the house, the house of the Lord is filled with a cloud. And the priests were not able to stand in order to serve because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the, filled the house of God. Mm. Struggle. Let's talk about that just a minute. Struggle. 
have here, Jacob is struggling. Children of God, there's times where we have struggles. We're struggling to hold on to God at the same time we're trying to let go of self. Anybody ever been there? Anybody camp there right now? You just pulled your parking spot and you're like, I'm here. I, I, I hear what you're saying. There's a struggle to hold on to God and at the same time to let go of self. Paul said it this way, forgetting those things that are behind and I'm reaching for those things that are ahead. I'm, 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 I'm letting go of where I came from and who I was and who the world said I was and all the accolades of the world and all the successes and all the failures. I'm, I'm letting that go, but I'm, I'm reaching. I'm reaching forward. I'm, I'm going, I'm pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling that you can only find in Jesus Christ. So we see here, there's a letting go. Now, it's amazing to me as we look at the passage of Scripture here how that Jacob went in, and, and Jacob has so much wealth that he has accumulated. How many know it's, it's, it's okay to have wealth? But wealth is not always blessing. Sometimes it can be your curse. Sometimes you can get comfortable with just being, uh, being comfortable with being comfortable. Amen? You just get a little complacent, and you don't want to move forward, and you just want to, don't want to grow in the things of God, and things happen. And we look here, and what we see is Jacob is blessed in the sense of what we in America would call blessed. He's got wealth. You notice that he, he gives an offering to Esau, and if you count it up, if my calculations are correct, he gave 530 animals to his brother Esau. 530 animals. There was donkeys and there were camels and there were, uh, there were sheep and goats. And, 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 and he's, he's, he's sending those out to his brother Esau. I don't know that J Jacob is necessarily all that generous, but the last conversation he had with his brother, as soon as dad dies, you die because I'm coming after you. And now, Jacob, he goes over to Laban's house, his uncle, and finds out where all this manipulation and scheming comes from. Because he found someone that was a bigger manipulator than he was. Laban. It's a family tradition. It was on the mama's side. <laughs> Come on. No, 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 no. But it was there. You know, there's times where, where, where we work our schemes and we do our things and, and, and we get to the place and uh, we're thinking we're getting by with it because we got what we were after. God must be okay with it. But then he sticks us in a real hard spot. And in that real hard spot, you begin to learn because you were unwilling to listen. You learn that there are situations you just can't get out of. Now, Jacob found himself at Laban's house. You see, the wrong he did his brother, and it's not that the Lord wasn't going to bless him, he just didn't wait on the Lord. He decided to take things in his own hands. He talked his, his brother out of the birthright, which may not mean a lot to you and I, but that birthright was saying, you're going to be head of the family. And so for a bowl of soup, he traded that to his brother, 
And his brother just flippantly said, yeah, you can have the birthright. I don't think Esau ever had any intent of giving away his birthright. He just wanted a bowl of soup. It's just like, you know, boys fight over stupid things. But see, what he didn't realize is that the Lord recognized how flippantly that he gave away his birthright. Now, Jacob's scheming got a little bit, little bit more, oh, what's the right word we're looking for? Mama did set him up for it. Go in there and disguise yourself as your brother and get your, get the, your father's blessing. Yeah. And he's like, I, I don't want this blessing to turn into a curse when he realizes it's not me because I'm smooth all over and my brother is hairy. But what he had going for him was Isaac was blind. He couldn't see. We'll just take this little goat skin, put it around your arm, put his coat on, and go in there and get that blessing. So he does it. Isaac blesses him. Then Esau comes along a little while later. He's got the meal that his daddy told him to prepare for him, and he sets it before him and says, Okay, Daddy, uh, I'm ready for my blessing. And, and Isaac is like, What is going on? I can't see, but am I losing it? Because I just blessed you. He said, no, that's my manipulating brother, Jacob, that came in and did this. He said, but can't you bless me? And you would think at that moment that there could be a declaration of blessing, but, but Isaac had already placed Jacob, head of the family, spoke those words over him. And see, the Israelite, in their mind, when it came to blessing, especially a, a blessing from the Father, they saw that as self-existing. In other words, it took on its own destiny. And when the Father spoke those words, come on, fathers, hear me. When those words are spoken over those children, they have a destiny. They have a destination and a, and a, and a time frame that's going to take place. It is so very important, fathers, as you speak to your children, you have that in mind. Amen? But here is a blessing that's spoken, and that blessing would not be retracted. Esau is so upset and he tells his brother and when daddy dies you're next fortunately daddy didn't die for a long long time so Jacob goes to Laban's house at Laban's house he acquires wealth as we see in the passage we read a little bit more but still he's not satisfied he's got all the material wealth of his day you know, we might calculate wealth and, uh, and CDs and bank accounts and Bitcoin and who knows, I don't know, just, just cash and money. Well, wealth in those days were measured in your cattle, in your livestock, in the number of wives you had, kids you had. That was the measure of your wealth in those days. And so he's there, he's got all of that, but still he's not satisfied. It's just not enough. That blessing of my father is not what I'm ultimately needing. And he gets to the place where he divides the camp and says, okay, there's coming tomorrow, there's going to be death unless God intervenes. So this is what's going to happen. If he comes after this camp, then the others will run. And if he comes after that camp, then you run. 
now here is Jacob, and he's wrestling with God. He's struggling with the Lord. He's holding on. God is about to rock his world. He's there holding on to, uh, to, to the Lord, an angel, a theophany. We don't know, but what we see here, he's holding on and he wrestles. And he said, I'm not going to let you go. So he touches the hollow of his thigh. And now here's Jacob. And I, I just imagine as they're there, Jacob's all alone. And he's wrestling and he's wrestling and he's wrestling. There's just some things that others can't help you with. There's just some things you gotta you got to flesh out yourself. There's just some things you got to wrestle with yourself. And here is Jacob. And he's saying, I need you to bless me. I know what my father said. I know what the threat of my brother. I understand all of that. But what I need is what world cannot give me, what man can't give me. I need my father in heaven to speak a word over me. I've done it my way. Where did it leave me? Shivering in fear all alone by myself because I tried to do it all myself. And he's holding on to God. Have you ever held on to God? He said, Lord, there's nobody can help me in this situation. You've got to help me. You've got to show up. If you don't show up, I'm going to die. If you don't show up, Lord God, it's all over. Laid my bed at 711 Jefferson Street in Bowie, Texas. So convicted in my sins. I just held on to God and I wrestled with the Lord half the night and I finally got to the place. I said, Lord God, you either save me or kill me, but I can't stay this way. What I was asking for is God to speak a blessing over me. I just want to hear I belong to you and you belong to me and now I'm not going to be the same anymore. What was Jacob asking for? asking for a new reality. He was looking for a new reality. He, he, he was looking for the, the fact that all of his scheming, because a lot of his livestock he got, he was, he was the tender of Laban's sheep, but they were kind of working against each other. He was breeding the, the strong, healthy, played on Laban's pride. Laban was a little bit of a person who, who, who thought that the, the pure colored uh, uh, goats and sheep were the, the ultimate ones. And so all the speckled ones, he didn't have anything to do with. So Jacob's like, okay, so we separate this stuff. I'm going to take all the speckled ones and you take all the, all the clear and all the solid colored ones. And Jacob already knew because he'd been tending the sheep for many, many years. And he was the one breeding them. And so he was breeding the strong ones and just giving all the weak ones to Laban. And Laban was getting all of his stuff. But, you know, you start offering manipulation for manipulation, you're going to get a lot of stuff you don't want. See, the amazing thing was is when he went into it, God asked him, the angel asked him, Jacob? 
He asked him, what is your name? Like God didn't know. What's your name? What do people call you? What did your mom and daddy say when they named you? What do they call you? Well, they, they call me Jacob, supplanter, trickster, one who reaches and tries to make a, a position for yourself by manipulation or by scheming. That's my name. That's what they call me. That's how I operate. That's how I move in life. That's how I, I've, I have gotten what I have gotten, and I'm real tired because it took a lot of effort to get to where I'm at. But now I'm, I'm beyond the place of where I'm at. I'm just a little bit on the side of fatigue, and I can't do this anymore. What do they call you? They call me Jacob. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name's not going to be manipulator anymore. Your name is not going to be supplanter. Your name is not going to be trickster anymore. Your name is Israel, one who has wrestled with and you have prevailed with God. And when you prevail with God, you will prevail with man. When you prevail with God, you can rest assured that you can prevail in life. And not until then. Amen? So every time that you come up and introduce yourself, what is your name, sir? My name is Israel. <laughs> what do people call you? Spider-Man. <laughs> My son Jacob. We love the name Jacob, not because of the meaning. <laughs> we just like the name Jacob. In fact, his mama told him the story of Jacob when he was little. He was like, oh, mama, why did you name me Jacob? Why did you call me Israel? Jacob, we would, we were itinerating to go to Scotland. He was a, a little, little bitty guy, and he loved Spider-Man. He would wear his Spider-Man outfits, and he would wear them out. He would still wear them, still fitting. But he would go to he would go we would go to different churches and we were itinerating to raise funds to go to Scotland and we would take him into the into the classroom and, and they would ask him, What is your name? He'd say, My name is Spider-Man. No, I need to know what your mom and daddy call you. They call me Spider-Man. So there's roll sheets all through the state of Arkansas in Sunday school, and there is a child in there named Spider-Man. He, his imagination brought him to the place where he just began to tell people, this is who I am. I want to say, children of the living God, you need to come to the revelation. You are not who you were. You are a brand new creature in Christ. You are not a manipulator, a schemer. You're not what your mom and daddy told you you were. You're not what the world told you were. You were not what that, what that ex told you you were. You're not what the boss told you were. You are one who prevails with God and man. That might have been who you were, but that's not who you are. But it takes a little practice, doesn't it? It takes a little practice. How do we apply this knowledge that we have here? It's whenever rejection shows up to your door and says, you are you are rejected. That's when you say, no, I'm not. Nuh-uh, uh-uh, no. I might have been rejected by somebody, but I'm not rejected by my father. When, when the enemy shows up and he tells you, look, you're a victim. You are a victim. You say, no, 
No, I might have been victimized, but I'm not a victim. I'm victorious through Christ Jesus, my Lord. When you get to the place where he shows up and says, I need to remind you of how, of how much you have failed in life, and you're a failure. Say, yeah, when I did it on my own, I failed, but I'm not on my own anymore. Say, you better watch out. And if you've got any problem, take it up with my God, because that's not, that's who I am. Amen? See, it takes a little practice. You know, and it's, it's always at the moment when, you're, when it's most convenient that you should uh, declare who you are. You know what I mean by that? It's when you get to the place where everything is going your way. It's easy to declare, I'm a child of God. When the worship team gets up there and they start singing and they start praising the Lord and you're feeling it in the house and the glory of God is in the place and, and you're feeling, oh man, that's great. But folks, it's easy to declare when you get in the presence of God who you are. It's when you get to work tomorrow. <laughs> when you get that disgruntled, when you get that disgruntled, somebody turn some air on here, I'm hot too, so... <laughs> you get that disgruntled boss or that customer or that employee situation, you got to remind yourself who you are. It's whenever you get in those pressure points. And see, that's when it starts coming out is in those pressure points. When, when you start to feel the pressure kind of just feel like you're going to explode, implode all at the same time, that's when you say, it's not what I feel, it's who I know. So that brings us over to Second Chronicles 5. I want to show you something here. Here, there's the dedication, and this is the power behind the declaration as to who I am. This is the power of the reason why I can say I am one who prevails with God and with man. So what we have here is the dedication of the temple. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we got, we got the dedication of the temple, and we can hyperlink that verse right there all the way to Acts, the, the, the second chapter. How? Because there's 120 priests blowing trumpets. <laughs> Come on, can you see it? Can you see it? Second Chronicles 5, we're linking that to Acts 2, the, the, in the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of the Lord poured out. But what you notice is this, whenever they were there, they were bringing in the most holy furnishing in all the house. You've got the table of showbread, it's already set up. You've got the lampstand, it's already set up. The brazen altar is set up. We, what we have, the altar of incense is there, but the priests are carrying it in. And it's got poles, and it's a, and it's a chest, and it should have Aaron's rod that budded. It should have the, the tablets of stone that Moses brought down, the Ten Commandments, and a golden pot full of manna, this heavenly bread that came down. It should be a measure, a size of a, a couple of pints that was sitting inside of there, but they're carrying it in, and they're going to put it in its place. They're going to put it in its place. And it says that the cherubims separated the two. What's he talking about? Within that veil that was put up there, there was woven cherubim, delicate schemes that were just woven in there. And you couldn't get through to the other side. Couldn't get in there. Only the high priest could go once a year. 
this was the seventh month at the very time of the feast of the ingathering. But what I want you to see is this. When they brought the Ark of the Covenant in, which is type of Christ, and they put him in his proper place. Put him in his proper place. The revelation of God's goodness began to come as a cloud of God's glory began to fill the earth. And the Bible says they couldn't stand it anymore. They couldn't stand in the house because of the glory. John tells us that the glory of the Father is the Son. See, when the Ark of the Covenant was put in its proper place, the feast could be experienced because of the glory that came into that house. They couldn't stand up just automatically got into a position of rest. Oh God, let me drop. See, when the, the son, Jesus, is put in his proper place, seated at the right hand of the Father, not because he's tired, but because the work is complete. And the revelation comes in the house of God. Oh, what happens? I can't stand anymore. I just automatically am drawn to rest. I, I just, I wish you could see what I'm feeling right now. You're thinking, no, we need to up your medication. No, what I'm saying to you is whenever you come to the revelation of the glory of Almighty God and the work that He has finished, and He is in His proper place in your heart and life, you're going to automatically go to a position of rest. You're going to go to rest. If you're not resting in the Lord, then you're still struggling in your faith. But if you'll just keep on struggling and holding on to God at the same time you're letting go of self, God's going to bless you. You know what he's going to bless you with? He's going to bless you with a limp. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get you in the altar because I'm going to get you down here. And when I do, I'm going to, no, I'm not. See, Jacob, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to punctuate it with the fact that now for the rest of your life, you're not going to be able to lean upon your own strength anymore. You're going to have to lean on the Lord in order to make any progress. Oh, my God, I wish I could get inside some people. I'm telling you, I do like my granddaughters do when they go to play in the toy box. They look at one and they throw it. And look at the other one and they throw it. And it looks like a bomb just went off in the middle of my living room because they're just throwing stuff out of the way because they don't want it. I'd like to reach down inside of somebody, crawl up in your business, and get in your house. Oh, my God, I can't believe. I just did that. Jackie, don't you dare tell Richard I did this. Angel, I'm going to need the other one back, okay? I think I can glue it. Okay. 
No, it's, I'm just teasing. Angel, I'm just kidding. I'm just Go ahead. This one's now yours. No, I'm just kidding. You know what the Holy Spirit, his desire is? Crawl inside your inner sanctuary and start throwing some stuff out. Do you believe I ever wanted you to walk this walk on your own? If I'm a God of faith, I want you to be a person of faith. I want you to be a person of faith. I don't want you to take another step without me. My God, come on, just hold on to that hand. Just, I don't want you to take another step without me. I want you to walk. When you walk, I want you to lean on me. You're not Jacob anymore. You're not doing this by yourself anymore. When you feel rejected, I want you to experience acceptance. Where are you going to get that acceptance? You're going to lean on me. My God, if we could just get it in our spirit that Jesus has been placed at his proper position. And now we've got to come to the revelation that he is positioned in us. Let the glory of God fill these houses all over again. So that we understand that the blessing of God is not independence. It is not making unilateral decisions. It is in partnership with the almighty God that I don't walk on my own anymore. I don't conversate with myself anymore. I don't walk in a place without trusting in the Lord. I'm going to bless you with a limp, Jacob, because you're not Jacob anymore. Israel. And you know what the Israelites did? They celebrate his weakness. We're not going to eat the flesh and the animal that have shrunk. We're going to celebrate that. See, we live in a world that only celebrates strength, and God is wanting to bring us to a place where we understand he celebrates our weakness. Because when I am weak in myself, then I am strong in the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make this journey without Him. Not one more step. I don't want to. Why? Because the glory of God is filling the house of the Lord. Because there's revelation coming right now to somebody in this place. Jesus has been positioned. Where is He positioned? Not at work, but at rest. And when we get that understanding in our spirit, then the glory will fill our heart and we can do nothing but fall upon a place in a position of rest. That's pretty good stuff. Came to prayer meeting yesterday and kept asking God. I said, Lord, what does it mean they couldn't stand? Lord, what does it mean they couldn't stand? He didn't tell me until after prayer meeting. <laughs> but he told me. Now I know we preached it, and I don't take one thing from it. That the, the interpretation of that is that no flesh will glory in God's presence. I heartily agree with that statement. But what the other side of that coin is this: if no flesh is glorying, then no flesh is working for the righteousness and the right standing with God. I'm not working for my salvation. I'm just learning how to live in it. And now, what do I have? The only position that I need to take because of the revelation of the glory of God Almighty in Jesus Christ is now I just rest. I just rest. So Jacob, you're going to rest. You're not going to introduce yourself as Jacob anymore. People may look at you and say, you don't look like somebody who prevailed with God. 
Righteousness means I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Why do you believe the Lord got so upset with Israel during the time of the judges? It was because Israel would continually and repetitively worship false images and as the psalmist said if you if you worship whatever you worship you're going to become like and so they're living in these images that are contrary to what God made them to be and so the Lord would send a deliverer and that deliverer would raise them up and they would have times of peace and prosperity but as soon as they would turn away or that deliverer was gone then they would turn back to that false imaging so the Lord Jesus came as the one true deliverer of all humanity and he's not going anywhere he stuck around in your life and in your heart, and he wrote inside of you by the pen of the whole of the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is who you are. You are like me. I am your image. You need to reflect who I am. And in so doing. saying what you can't do and start realizing what you can do. 
how do you want to do this? You're going to do this in partnership. We're not going to let go. See, Jacob held on to God, and he became Israel, and he never let go of the Lord again. See, the Lord's not wanting a partnership that's on the spot time. He's looking for a lifetime commitment out of each one of us. And I believe it's time that you start rehearsing not what the world tells you, not what your pastor told you, but what God has said about you. Worship team, make your way up, if you will. Father, we thank you. It's going to take some practice. It's going to take a shift in your knowledge base. Andrew came up with a statement, just a word as we were driving along, and I don't know if you woke up with it or you just came to it, but he talked about an echo chamber. Anybody ever heard that phrase outside of the life class, echo chamber? It's when you get into a, it's a, it's a phrase that means you get into a, 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 an arena, an area, then the, the voices you speak are the voices coming back at you. We can get into political echo chambers. We can get into, I don't know, sports echo chambers. I'm just getting a lot of echo chambers. Forming your bias, supporting your bias. But see, we can also get into echo chambers that support the negativity of where we came from. As a little boy, we used to walk down the railroad tracks. We'd come up alongside some sandstone. Every time we did, we'd just spend a few minutes. Hey! What? What? Who? Who? Talking. Me, me, me. You, you, you. No, I, I, I. I'm saying get in that echo chamber. It was fun. But see, when you get in an echo chamber that's always rehearsing and repeating what was said about you as a child, what was said about you as a spouse, what was said about you as a person, and there's just that constant negative reinforcement, nobody likes me, nobody cares about me, I'm going to go eat a worm and die. I don't remember how the rest of it. we need in the house of the Lord is God break that echo chamber and let me hear what heaven is saying about me let me hear Lord God what you say about me oh Lord I hear you today we are fearfully and wonderfully made we are the apple my God of your eye Lord a thousand shall fall at my side but ten thousand at my right hand but it will not come nigh me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, my God, you love me so much that you gave yourself for me. Lord, you did not withhold your very son. How much more will you give me freely all things? Oh, my God. I want to get in the echo chamber of heaven. We are going to have revival. We are going to have a miracle in this house today. We're going to see somebody come out of the cage and that echo chamber be broken. And they're not going to live in that state of pseudo-freedom anymore. They're going to experience freedom in this house today. I don't know what brought you into the house, but I'm just glad you're here.
I'm glad you're here because this is what I know that I know that I know. My knower's been turned on. God's going to set some people free in this altar today. Today, you're going free. You're going to break out of that echo chamber, and you're going to start walking. Now, you've got to be responsible. Amen? I'm not going to show up at your house and do it. I'll be here, uh, you know, Wednesdays and Sundays to help you. But I can't do it for you. See, because it doesn't matter what I say about you. It doesn't matter what God says about you. It's what it you believe about yourself and about what you say about yourself. Stand, if you will, all across this room. You're in this house today. You're saying, I'm going free. I'm going free. I'm going free. Come on. Come on. I'm going free. I'm not, I'm not leaving this house like I came. I'm not leaving this house like I came. I am who God says I am, and I'm going to start introducing myself. Hello, self, come here. I want to introduce you to someone. This is Jesus in me. Now, you got to step down because he has stepped up, and I'm going to walk in dependence upon him. Come on, come on. These altars are open right now. You're making exchange. You're giving away the old life to take hold of the new life. You're accepting the fact that you have been, you're going to set it rest. Come on. Come on, the revelation of Jesus Christ brings us uh, to a place of rest. You're not working for this anymore. You're just stepping into it. Come on, come on, there's others, there's others. Come on, 